You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Less for Life with James L. Mattern and Benji Suswine. All right, my people. This is Lust for Life. Podcast about being who you is. Select of the dial. It's a celebration of the human condition. I know I'm talking like that, but who gives a damn? I'm James L. Matter, baby. This is America's number one podcast, as voted on by Canadians. I am actually here on time. <laughs> Last week, I was late. I haven't listened. Because I don't like to listen to myself. My yeah. ego is, is coming check, so I don't need to listen to myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Or maybe my ego is not in check because I'm like, well, it's yeah. perfect every time. What I do I care? I think you, uh, at least for me, you were beating yourself up about being late last time, which is like, I felt bad. we're over a year in, your first time late. You're a human being. Can I, I am a human you know, being. Well, it's been a year. We've been over a year. For a year. We yeah. made it our year anniversary. How Amazing. crazy is that? We don't Amazing. pussyfoot around. When, so. was the, when was the anniversary? The anniversary was... Um, a couple months ago, we actually recorded it. We're actually close to our second year. <laughs> We're on year eight right now, Sean. All right, let's set it at the table right now. I'm looking at the hand of the king, the right hand of the show. My main dude, good head of hair. Maybe being No shaved. beard anymore. Doesn't give a damn about the beard. Looking very studious, like he's going to an Ivy League school. Like he's going to three Ivy League schools at the same time. That's how baller he is. His name is Benji Suswine, a.k.a. the ace. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Sweet wine, baby. Ooh, look what I do with the actors. That's my boy. Love Thank em. you. Ivy League. I like it. Three of them. You're I going just to... trying to trick people to think I go to Ivy League. You went, you're going to Cornell. <coughs> yeah, what are the three? Where Princeton can I go to three at the same time? No, and wait, Brown. Do you know the... All at the same time. Get the fuck none, of the, none of the good ones. I'm just fucking with you. Uh, sitting in as our third mic, first time ever, dear friend of ours, the great Sean. I don't yes, even know sir. your last name, Sean. I've known you for years. <laughs> do you even want your last name? Do you want an alias? <coughs> Uh, no, you can use your last name, Sean. Sean Martin, the yes. great Sean Martin. It's been. I can't yes. believe it took this long to get. Sean it, unbelievable. On the show, yes. Great actor. Thank on a hit show to. on Central and, TV. Uh, and Central uh, TV, yes. a thoughtful guy. We've always had good conversations. You know, you you try to be you know well read and thought out, and it's a guy. He's perfect for yes, the show. Sir. I really think so. Yes, yes, kind sir. Thank you, kind sirs. Of course. It, it's one of those things where it's like, well, we need a third mic, and I I just look up at the bar yesterday, hang out at stand, I'm like. This is who we... Well, how have we not had this before? So, this is great. We have a, a wonderful uh, guest coming up. He's, uh, I'm holding his book. It's going to be absolutely amazing. He's sitting here. He's looking very sharp in a suit. We're going to bring you on in a second. Um, this gentleman has, has written for professional wrestling. He's written books. And we're going to have some great discussions. I'm teasing it right now. It's going... This is just a tease. blue ball on Oh, it, right? Yeah. And I'm a little out of it today. All right? You say that every but episode. All the t- uh, not, not even every episode. Every he night says it in the yeah. comedy club. <laughs> I went out last night. Okay, let's just talk the real. Let's hear that. What happened last night? The show got canceled. Where? Not Somewhere. Okay. okay. So I had a drink. Okay. And then there was a big party downtown for another venue celebrating something. Stand all you got to say is free years? drinks. Yes. So I, I went there. Mm. Made, drank copious amounts. Can we just say this is a no-filter zone? Speak your mind. You don't have to be, like, censoring yourself. I drank a lot of whiskey at the stand last night. Good. Okay. All right. Uh, Okay. Let it out. I got some weird texts from someone in my life. Kind of bugged me the fuck out. So I, of course, went into self-doubt and nonsense. I was with Super Tramp. Yeah, big shock. And so I drank so many Sinatras last night with no food in me. I wake up today. Yesterday, I weighed myself because I'm anorexic. Buck 77. I don't like that. 
So I, I had a good run, even though I'm sore from what's playing your, football. What's your playing weight? I, I, I fucks around between 173 and 177, but I prefer to be about buck 75. And okay. then today, buck 72, then I pooped. So I'm like, oh, I'm a buck 71. Super Tramp tells me, no, you're dehydrated. You're not really that. You didn't lose five pounds in one day. Okay, that's logical. But I'm not a buck 70. He goes, you're the same weight he's worth. No, I'm not, okay? The whiskey didn't add up that much with the water. Two slices of veggie pizza and two egg whites and avocado and whole wheat. Now, that's what, nothing. What was the driving force behind getting fucked up? It wasn't the shows being canceled. I don't. Was it celebrating the club, or is there something else on your mind that you're? <sighs> I don't stuff, know baby. who Ooh. listens to this, and this person's. Ooh, like, hey, I just I felt a little weird nonsense. It's tough being in a, in a relationship, even saying the word relationship. And it's very difficult, and, and being a comic is very difficult too. And you got a rough life. I just very rough. <laughs> Comic, hold me, you please. got a girl. Yeah, you got really got a tough. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I I I personally uh, don't understand it. How to me it, it does it does seem difficult for a comic to have a girlfriend. Why is I that? I mean, you're you you're out every night, mm -hmm. every night doing stand up. Yes, and that's when the woman wants right. the time and weekends. And the and holidays, the special everyone occasions. Everyone else has off is when you're on. I have been getting off. Sundays off, and I've been spending some Sundays with my girl. We went to San Janeiro. You've been off on Sundays. Bada yeah. boom. Hey yo, badu pop boop pop. So, um, we I went to San Janeiro. I've never gone to San Janeiro in New York. I played football the day before. I could barely move, so we should have went Touch. to a movie. Touch football, but I'm 30. I mean, I could I could play that football where you take a piece of paper and turn it into an <laughs> X, and you just flick it, and I'll be Table sore. Football, yeah. I mean, I'm that old now, and. So, look, everything's fine. I get in my head because I'm not used to this shit. Yeah. I have abandonment issues, as people know. My mom really wasn't there. So, that's the first woman you love. And then she's out doing other things and not with you. So, you fright from the jump. Mm. Believe that any woman you love is going to sell you the fuck out. Wow. And I explained that to her the other day. Because I was, I was in my head the other day. And yeah. I'm like, look, I don't know what you're thinking. You think I'm, look. Sometimes I'm going to misconstrue things you do because this is what I'm going through. And how'd she respond? She shoved the grilled cheese sandwich in my mouth. But um, She's a keeper. That's a keeper. <laughs> I hate grilled cheese, too. Can we ban? What a piece of oh, shit food I that is. I love grilled cheese. Ugh. Are you, but do you, now where do you stand on fried bologna? Yeah, no, also great. Also, I think people choose between the two. I uh, used to eat that. Yeah, Sean don't eat fried bologna. Eat meat no more. Back of grandparents. Now man. you're like vegan. Grandparents, they had the old iron skillet. Yeah. And you put the bologna in, and you cut four, four slight, uh, four slits in the yes. bologna, and you get it nice and flat and crispy. Put it on some toasted bread with some, some, some mustard. I used to feed wow. the boys late I'm night. <laughs> in college, my grandparents somehow knew we were out drinking, and they accepted <clears> me bringing <throat> home a couple of the, the, the dudes, and they pass out on the couch, and they would eat like five. Uh, fried bolognese on the George Foreman grill. And I couldn't cook for nothing up to about three years ago, but that's the only thing I cooked back in the day. And I'm, I'm going around going, I'm a chef. What kind of chef, dummy? You're just yeah. putting bologna on a, on a grill. Big dummy. We're all over the place, but it's okay. That's how my head is today. Um, yes. So dealing with this shit with right. women and is I difficult. Say and I put pressure on myself in these relationships. Right, but just the fact that you verbalize that to your gal... 
means that you're probably a you know a step ahead of most guys out there who are not aware or not going to say it and they're just going to or just face. just holding it back exactly like. just afraid to verbalize anything so you should be proud of yourself for that I am proud of that man um <clears throat> it takes a lot to do that it, being open we are, are you a, so scared to be open are you a therapy I, guy I, I, I tell I you I, I tell you one thing yeah yes. I tell you one thing I've learned there he goes. <laughs> Okay. Yes, yes, Mr. Now. Zen talk. You sound so Zen. I, I feel like your tone of voice right there is the same tone that Socrates probably had. I'll tell you this, young Plato. Take your clothes off. What? Whoa. I've, they were home? No? Too soon? Okay. Too soon. I've learned from the first, my first love, first ever love, that it, you really can't show weakness to a woman. Yes, mm. I agree with that. I think I've been showing weakness. Mean, I'm in mean? my head. What is, how'd you learn that and why do you say that? We, she was my first love, so we had arguments and to where, like, you know, tears are streaming and shit. And I remember one time, I forgot what the argument was about, and I was crying. I could, I'm man enough to admit I was crying. I was 20, 20 or 21. You're crying. 20 or 21. Yes. And I saw her, be ashamed of. I saw her look at me when I was crying. Yeah. And something flickered in her eye, and she looked at me different that day. Yes, without question. And I was like, oh, that's what it is. I was like, Mm. oh, she lost respect for me right here. Right here, she lost respect for me. Wow. I would assume women would almost appreciate seeing a guy being sensitive. It, it, I'm thinking it's I a, it's a fine, my friend. There's a uh-huh. fine line. There's a very fine well, line. Is it a slippery slope? That word, that phrase has been used a lot in 2014. But it for is. Some it is a slippery. It is a slippery slope. slope. It is a slippery slope. You like? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a fine line with the tears. Hmm. It's a fine line, and I've I've talked to women about this, and some some live in the fantasy world. Yes, it's okay. You can cry in front of me all the time, but some are real. They're like, yeah, you know, yeah, I I do agree with you, Sean. Like, yes, it's it can be a little too much. How long were you with your girl before you cried? Oh, that girl, Fudgeroonies. Um, You're allowed to curse on this podcast. No, but Fudgeroonies <laughs> is a great word. I, that's why, yeah, I do like that word. <laughs> I just didn't want you to be censoring How long yourself. How were we together? We were together for maybe six to eight months. Maybe. That's. I think once you get a few years in and you're almost like a vested couple, mm-hmm. then the tears could come because you're showing yeah. alpha that yeah. much. Yeah. When you finally do break down a little bit and show yeah. that, mm-hmm. yeah. then she fully loves you. But too early in the jump? Yeah. Like, I get emotional... I've never felt like this. I'm crazy about this gal. Um, stealing gal from uh, Mark Norman. That's usually his word. Love the uh, gal. Gal. Hey, the gals. And um, I almost I get emotional when I tell this. her that I love her so much. that To the point where I could almost feel like I could cry. And then my brain goes, don't, dummy. Don't do that. Do you guys don't think show don't a fucking tear. Do that. Do you guys think possibly that's in your head? That, oh, God, I showed a weakness. She must be looking at No, me no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't. That didn't come up because she, she changed how she acted uh-huh. for a while. It didn't. It didn't last the whole relationship. And did you ever while. approach her with that or say, "Hey, I think since that"? No, I, I didn't cry in front of her anymore. Uh huh. But I learned. Like to me, that was th- there were learning lessons because I never had a serious relationship before. I didn't like right. when you know that whole first love. I don't know if it's craziness or I. I mean, I know love is equal to being crazy, but. I don't know if it was being childish, immature, not understanding anything, not having uh, seen what a relationship is supposed to be because I, I didn't come up in that type of household mm-hmm. with a, a mother and a father. You so, just had your mom raising yeah, you, Yeah, right? I just had my mother. So to me, like it, all that was new. Like, because mm-hmm. I've had girlfriends before, but I didn't care for them like that. Right. You know, this is the first girl I ever really, really, truly cared for. 
Wow. I was hanging out with Tramp last night, and he was telling some. We were telling old war women stories. <laughs> Showing scars. Yes, basically like <laughs> that scene in Jaws. Um, there's a great line. He was describing a girl, and, and I, I, I was like, "Was she the first to be the last?" Like that's what you're describing to me. Mm. Like this is how I feel right yeah. now. It's like, great line. First of all, off Cheap Trick song, "The Flame," written by Desmond first Child. To be the last. You were the first to be the. La- I mean, that's some heavy shit, and I had to explain to Tramp what the fuck that means. Mm-hmm. You were the first girl that was going to be my last girl. Yeah. That can fuck you up, man. Like, it's oh, weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have gone, I've been in relationships just because, like, <laughs> well, why not? It's like, well, I should have a girlfriend now, and oh, she's good on paper. And it's cool, and you fall in love, but it's not like, I th- never was like how I thought. And then now I am crazy about this girl, where it's like, I want to hang out. Hung out today, we had nothing to say to each other because I was hungover and she was like stressed. And then you still leave and you go, like, oh, maybe this isn't working out. And then you leave and you go, I'd do that again right now. Right. I'm, I'm content with just lying on her and not saying anything, just in a park. Like, <laughs> it's weird. <clears throat> Who knows? Maybe it's just addiction. <laughs> no, I, I think I'm there also. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Let's hear about this, Bench. I mean, I, at the same time, it is my first rela- real relationship. Okay. Uh, James, like you were saying, you've had. An, I, I wasn't the type of guy, and I'm not the type of guy that's just like, oh, I need a girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. I'm kind of an introverted, mm-hmm. whatever, that I'm just like, I'm fine with myself until I'm ready yeah. to be with someone. But yeah, I'm like uh, eight months and change in. It's going really well. We seem to be communicating well. Yeah, no, I love it. It came She's out of great. nowhere with you. I loved it. It did. Yeah. Like, he just, she just came in the club. Remember the story? She just yeah. came to the club one night, and I thought she was a uh, an intern here. Yeah. And I was like, I, I forgot how you introduced her, and I was like, "Oh, she's the new intern." He was and like, she tried playing it off, and then I she think. tried to play it, play on that me saying she was an intern. And I was like, Ooh, and then Benji was like, "No, she's my girl." I was like, "Hold on, which is true? Is she?" But your girl? she kept. I was like, "No, no, stop doing that. She, yeah. He doesn't know what you're talking about." <laughs> I like playing gags like that. There's this girl I used to go out with back in the day in Vegas. I was a young buck at 21. She was 26. I was like, "Holla, hot little blonde, bisexual broad." Wow. Lived in threesome. Uh, I never, I never got to that point. I think this one girl Carrie wanted to. It would have been fucking good, but she kind of. This yeah, girl was calling us like good. her parents, which is kind of weird. Wow. So you then can't have a threesome with the girls acting like she's your daughter. That's a weird Ooh. fucking story. I'll explain it some other time. But I went around introducing her at a party as Evil Knievel's daughter, just as one to one dude, just fucking around, and then it ended up become a running gag. Yeah. People bought it. It was the greatest gag I've ever done. This one <laughs> big ass stoner and you're a I used to be a professional comedian. I am. I wasn't then. I was in bands. <laughs> But this guy who I used to play in his band who looked like Ted Nugent at one point, he's like 40, turns mm. there and goes, so how's your dad, man? Is he messed up? I mean, since the accidents and shit, it was the greatest thing ever. So That's I appreciate amazing. the gag with the... Uh, yeah. No, the I don't intern. think it lasted that long, but she, she had a fun time. Yeah, it didn't last that long. But the next time I saw her, she was like, hey, I'm the intern, Sean. Yeah. I'm like, next time I see her, I'm going to ask her about interns. There you go. She's a okay. cutie. No, she's great. She's, she's a best. cutie. I have relationships. This is cr- so this was this one of the problems with this show. This show's the greatest show in history of life. But um, the, we're about to interview Brian Shields, who yes. writes for wrestling and ri- written it's wrestling a good intro. books. Yeah, but the title of this episode will be like something with wrestling in it, 
And so we might get casual wrestling fans. And the first 15 minutes is like, yeah, man, sometimes yeah. when you love a girl, you just got to cry in front of her. But yeah, don't show about... weakness, man. It's like no. they're going to be like, what is this shit? <laughs> 15 minutes in, these, these homos are talking about love right. and all this bullshit. Well, I maybe cried. we can try to focus on the idea of like this masculine idea that like crying is weakness and you can't show it to women and you have to hold yourself in a certain way. It's a really interesting idea. I'm an emotional idea. dude. I know. I got that so can be up. a topic for hours. It yeah. could be. It yeah. really could I'll be. admit this. I got so liquored up and was emotional last night. I listened to you two. Coldplay! On some- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I listened to you two. All I want is you about 37 times. And you know, sometimes when I get drunk, I'll write a lyric to a song on Facebook to see if people know what it's from. And so I wrote, uh, you say in love, there are no rules. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I, that was so cruel by, uh, by you two. Not that one. But uh, that was so cruel. It's a great song. And I wake up hungover as can be after like five, six hours of sleep. And no one guessed the, the song. But a hundred comments of people having a real debate. Well, it depends on what you're looking for with right, love. Sometimes there are rules. Sometimes the rules are what makes it work. What do you think? I'm just drunk leaving a U2 lyric but what because a great... I'm an emotional fucking mess. But you got a whole conversation going with people that now are thinking about it. You should be proud of yourself. I guess where that conversation went. Delete. Got rid of the comment. Moved on, baby. <laughs> That's on you. And then I ate two euros. What you know? Because in my head, I still weigh a buck 72. Which in like... Europe is like two stone. Whatever shit is. All right. Let's get a diabetes break. We're going to bring on Brian Shields. I'm holding his book, 30 Years of WrestleMania. This book is a coffee, like a coffee, what's it oh, called? A coffee? Yeah. Coffee table? <clears throat> coffee table. Coffee table thing. type book. Like yeah. you leave on the coffee table and you just thim through and you go, oh my God, the Legion of Doom. It's, it's dope. It would, be n- it would be hard not to flip through that whole book. Yeah. It's just nonstop. Yeah. Even at a dinner date with women who judge wrestling, you'd have to be like, hey baby, look at the hardcore title. Like yeah. you'd have to. It's just what's going to happen. We're going to bring him in. We're going to discuss wrestling, writing for wrestling, writing with wrestling. Should I still call it wrestling? I think yes. He'll answer it. We'll be back. This is Lust for Life, where we talk about women, and then we talk about the people's elbow. See you in a second. Oh, man. Dude, I forgot how good a song was that. So cool. Are you guys familiar with that? I gotta hear it again. Well, maybe we'll play it at the end. Can you write that down as a note, Andy? We'll play that in the end. You say in love, there are no rules. I should sing every song. No one would ever listen to the radio. No one in. Or the podcast. Or the podcast. <laughs> Dude, I don't know lose. if anyone is now. Um, you listening, baby? We're recording. Are we on? All right. I, leave all that in, too. I want the mayhem. <clears throat> I want the yibber-yabber and the jibber-jabber. All right. This, we're back. Now I'm going to get npr and I'm going to touch... Sean, right now, right. see how After uncomfortable you just you. said that that whole previous part's in, we're back. Yes, we're back. Um, this yeah. is Lust for Life, America's number one podcast, voted on by Canadians, worshipped by Australians, mm. um, mesmerized by New Zealanders, and not listened to in Antarctica because there's no life forms. Mm. Okay, we're here with, I don't think so, polar there bears. There are people there. Yeah, but they don't count. They're like scientists Yes, and but shit. their <laughs> residents are other places. That's true. No one checks Antarctica. There's a documentary about it. They say that the people who are not tied down in the world, they yes. fall to the bottom and end up in, in Antarctica. Let's do a sh- live show in Antarctica. There's like a lot of really kooky, weird people that end up there. Or yeah, they're probably doing heroin too. Yeah, they're on horse. Not to judge. <laughs> yes, they, they, they went straight from, they didn't even try weed. They went straight to horse. Okay. <laughs> that happens. Brian Shields is our guest. Yes. yes. Guys, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Thank Thanks you, Brian. In. I don't know why I'm talking like I'm calling the 18th hole at the Masters right now, but Jack you... Nicholas is 
is six feet away. It's going to build up. It's going to build up. Yes. He really needs to make this putt, Sean, yes. to get the green jacket. Yes. <laughs> That'd be the greatest <laughs> golf announcer ever. A guy just goes, yes. All right. <laughs> so, Brian, let's get your background here. Yeah. Um, yeah. You yeah. are an improv actor, correct? Sketch writer. Sketch writer. Sketch writer. It's actually... Guys, it's so cool to be here. Uh, the first time I took a microphone and got up on a stage was actually right here at Stand Up New York, mm. way back in the day. And then uh, I went through Second City when Second City had a sketch comedy program here in Manhattan. And we used to do our showcases here oh, wow. in the theater. In so, the theater. Yeah, so uh, over the last few years, you know, so over the last few years, you know, I always come back to Stand Up New York to see the shows and, uh, and the great talent here. But for me to kind of come full circle now to be here with wow. you guys yeah. is really really cool and cool. i do need because you know you guys were talking about relationships earlier yes um i do need to suggest you know we're here in new york so you got to check wbls the quiet storm if you need a playlist for the ladies oh the quiet storm oh yeah oh yeah are you oh, familiar yeah. with this thing yes I, what, uh, what is I it? do no know joke. the quiet storm <laughs> what that? I do know the quiet storm. Well, tell me about the quiet storm. <clears throat> it's just it's a great I mean I love like uh you know classic Motown but uh 80s 90s hip hop R&B and I mean it's just great stuff. Tell and me there's that, some yeah, Tony, it's, Tony, it's Tony up in that stuff. shit. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. It never rains in Southern California. Oh <laughs> man. You know man, lay I, your head on my pillow. What about I'd like to to hook up with a girl with sex you up by color me bad. <laughs> I really do. New Jack City was so great. That's and, a great soundtrack. And, and yet, yes. it's a great that's soundtrack. what he's having sex to. It's yeah. like Nino Brown ain't having sex yeah. to color me bad. And I miss <laughs> and I miss that too. I miss great soundtracks. Yes, mm. yes. And when yes. you talk about the hip hop R and B genre, that was great. And you talked about you yes. two. All I want is you. Yes, that's reality bite soundtrack, man. Which is a bad. Have I discussed this on the air? I finally saw that movie. It's a movie I should see. It's part of my generation. Yeah. I don't like the movie. The soundtrack is overrated except late? for that song. What's that? Do you think you saw it too, too late? Maybe. Back? But it's weird because I, I, I'm, I'm not name dropped. I guess I'm name I'm, I'm friendly with someone in the, in the movie, and it's like part of you now wants to bring it up to her and be like, <laughs> you were good. good in that, but that movie kind of stunk. Do you agree with it? And then I'd be like the worst person in the world. Don't do that. No, I won't do that. <laughs> and of course, I mean the the waitress. Real quick in that movie, yeah. no one has a. It's in Texas. No one has a Texas accent, and everyone's acting like they were born and raised in Texas. There, not a single Texas. Yeah, I was born and raised in Dallas. How are you? Where's your fucking accent, man? <laughs> it's a bunch of nonsense, right? At least in like uh, Silver Linings Playbook, everyone's got that Philadelphia shit coming out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Thin, oh yeah. All that bullshit. Yeah. I mean, Benji, make a decision. This is a bunch of bullshit. They should have had Texas accents from yeah, the jump. Yeah, but I feel like you get that a lot in movies where, like, accents are thrown around. Or, like, <clears> they <throat> want the typical accent for the main character and then a different one for the bad guy. Right. And... I know for a fact Ethan Hawke had an Antarctic <laughs> accent. <laughs> See, I bring it all back, baby. I'm a professional catchatory. All right. So let's get back to you, Brian. So right. how did you get mixed up? Now, you ended up writing for the WWE I write I write books with them. My okay. my career started out. I've always been a writer, but my career started out in the video game business, yeah. in sports marketing. So for all you old school gamers out there that are part of this audience, um, yes. I worked at Acclaim Entertainment. 
So that was like Ooh. NBA Jam, Mortal Kombat. Oh, wow. They did The Simpsons. They were the first to have the WWE license. That's mm-hmm. right. So I was starting out my career, and that's how my relationship with WWE started in the late 90s. Okay. Okay. Um, then going, they, uh, I worked on special projects with them since. Um, and the writing stuff really took off like in the mid-2000s. So mm-hmm. um, I don't write their TV or anything like that, but... Uh, I work with their consumer products group that comes out with the books. So my first book was in 2006 through Simon & Schuster. Mm. And Uh, which one was that? It was called Main Event WWE in the Raging 80s. So it was like a 200-page paperback. You could go wrong with that. That's amazing. And then then the next one, which really kind of changed things for me as far as doing a lot of writing (laughs) full-time, was the WWE Encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. So that came out in 2009. That's like a 400-page, five-pound, big... It's about double the size of the book we're going to be talking about. Wow. Um, So... How long does it take one to write, like, an encyclopedia? Like, I mean, that's... I mean, you have to put all this information in there, obviously. So um, when did you start, and when did you finish? We worked on that book for a year and a half, and that was... Because when you're doing research for something historical, autobiographical, nonfiction... You're talking about photo archives, right. video archives. You're yeah. talking about uh, interviews, going on tours of facilities, magazine archives. Did you get to meet with the, the, the people involved in actual wrestling? Yes, yes. So, um, so that kind of started taking things in a different direction. And the other thing I do also is I write dialogue for video games. So if any of you guys are more new school gamers, <coughs> there's been some dialogue in like... Um, Mafia 2, mm-hmm. uh, the recent WWE games, 2K14 and 2K15 coming out, um, Nicktoons MLB. So there's a, you know, there's some, you know, a first person shooter uh, called Sniper Ghost Warrior. So the first encyclopedia w- debuted on the New York Times bestseller list. Wow. So nice. that was a. Congrats. That's great. Uh, cool. Thank you. I mean, this, it's a weird. Because it was 2009. I mean, so today that and a Metro card will get me on the subway. But like when you think about that, (laughs) but like like when you think about that happening, I mean, it's surreal. So you have a bestseller when that happens, right? Do you, I've always wanted a book because I would do the Californication thing. I would just hang out in the bookstore next to my book and just bang broads. Like I've always wanted that to happen. And if I was a bestseller, I'd go around and just with my book and be like, hey, I'm a bestseller. I, I wouldn't care if you think I'm vain. So what, one out of 10 goes, that's all you need for that night. How many, how many, guns, how many bullets in the chamber? Not that many, you just take what you can get that day. But do you use that to try and uh, hook up? But, or does it backfire because nothing for nothing, it is pro wrestling and, and, and some girls are gonna be like, ugh. You wrote, I'm a bestselling author. Yeah, what'd you write? They think it's fiction. I'm like, well, did you ever hear about right, um, right, right. Uh, Roddy Piper? What? Yeah. You, you mean it's not your interpretation of Art of War and, right. and Sun Tzu? <laughs> and, they're, and they're shocked and they storm out of Barnes & Noble? Actually, if you said you were Sun Tzu, most, most people in general, let alone the girls, would be like, who? Right, like, right, I think you right. probably have yeah. a better chance Sounds going. Like a wrestler. Yeah, I wrote about the berserker at <laughs> WrestleMania 8. Right. Well, I think, uh, I think the timing of a lot of these books in general is really good because our culture... It's evolved a little bit. Like WWE has evolved as a business, and for a long time they've come out and they've said this is a form of entertainment. It's basically a form of entertainment that requires 
the physical conditioning and endurance of a pro athlete, but it is not legitimate sport. And I think now, and they always said that they they've or said they that ease about twenty five for about twenty five years. <clears throat> wow. okay. They they actually said that, so it is kind of funny. Like still, people will say, and like you could tell in their face, it's like they're battling this this inner fire to tell me, like, well, you know, that's not real, right? Yeah. And it's always like, wow, thank you for bringing this to <laughs> right. my attention. Yeah. I had no idea, you know. So I think um, I think people in general now, uh, because WWE is really a global entertainment property, uh, they have 15 million people watching their programming every week. Wow. Um, they have pay-per-views. There's no off-season. There is no off-season, uh, which is something they should try and develop. I mean, but rest, like WrestleMania as an event, and, and you'll see this in the book, is now a global destination event that people come from from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think now, whereas like even like 10 years ago, because 30 years of WrestleMania, it's behind the scenes too. So, oh, cool. so th- it's a celebration of the history. So you're going to get like all the match results, but there's a story in there. You're mm-hmm. going to get you're going to get behind the scenes stories and anecdotes from the talent, the McMahon family, people behind the scenes that work in production. Some real dirt, things like that. Um, a little as far as like maybe if there was friction, because that's the thing. Sometimes it is real in terms of you know the competition of. Who is better as a performer? Who do the yeah. fans uh-huh. love or hate yeah. in that kind of a way? So it's not always smooth sailing. Like um, one of the first things that I was writing about for this book was for the first WrestleMania, which happened here in New York City in 1985 at Madison Square Garden. There was real life friction between Roddy Roddy Piper and Mr. T. To this oh. day, to I this think they still day, hate each other. To this day. And was there any real? I don't know, violence, but were they trying to hurt or like they kept it as a performance? Backstage and and Roddy is one of my was one of my favorite interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually has like a boxing background. Yes. Oh wow. So, you know, at that time because it's not like it is now, th- the business was very guarded. Yeah. So it wasn't like, "Hey, we're entertainment everybody, come on in." It's what they yeah. called kayfabe. Right. So, um kayfabe? Kayfabe. Kayfabe. Right. Yeah. It, it means they protect it, and you know, back in the '80s, heels and faces, heels are the bad guys' faces, baby faces, yeah. uh, the good guys weren't allowed to like socialize. Yeah. Now right. th- these guys will do a pay per view, <clears throat> three, three weeks straight of oh, I can't wait to get you in the ring, and then twenty minutes after the the big match that everyone spends money on, they're like having beers together. Right, yeah, right. You know, it, that's shattered. Mm-hmm. Now. So, so like Roddy would talk about that backstage. It was incredibly tense. Because there was this real life animosity. Where did it come from? It came from, I think, Roddy and some of the other members of the locker room feeling like Mr. T didn't have a respect for the business as far as what they were doing. That he, you know, came in, big entourage, a lot of, hey, I, you know, I'm go- I got to go in limos, this and that. And he thought it was going to be like, oh, all right, well, I'll come in and, and I'll hit you with this and I'll do you the, I'll, I'll do this move and that move. And, you know, it's um, it's a performance. Yeah. And it's and it's actually a lot like different forms of entertainment or maybe um, improv or anything like that, where you're just as good as the people that you're in there with. Yeah. So their ring mm-hmm. is their stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you can't have somebody that's not trained in that art form go in and start 
trying to jump off the ropes right. and you know hit moves because they don't know shit. You don't know what you're doing, so not only are you going to hurt somebody, but you're going to look bad, which makes right. everybody else look bad. Yeah. And that first WrestleMania, which we cover in the book, was a huge financial risk. I mean, the McMahons bet everything they owned personally wow. on getting that event off the ground. So this is a one-day experiment on a Sunday afternoon in Madison Square Garden. And the garden's packed, sold out. Great anecdotes from Linda McMahon on the Hells Angels coming in demanding seats. The Hells oh. Angels. Um, <laughs> tickets, tickets from her office in WWE were stolen off her desk and sold out i mean and they were sold like scalper style that's terrific so wow. like if you're in this main that's event dirt bag. right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah yeah so like if you're you know roddy piper or someone else and and you see that there's this issue with mr t starting to form you know you yeah you, you have to be very careful so when you look back at that match the stuff that they're doing with him all looks very good but it's in the realm of what they do pretty basic and i don't mean to take anything away from mr t from, like you mean from the star of the major motion picture dc cap right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> of course of course uh, um it's funny you bring up the hell's angels though in wrestling um the other day i come home and i got the network and yeah, uh, i yeah. come back from san Gennaro, and i'm still sore from playing football because i'm 36 and i'm a loser and uh, my oh, roommate really? and I watched the end of Night of Champions, and then yeah. he's like, "Put on any WrestleMania with Rock and Stone Cold." So yeah, I put on WrestleMania man. 17, and we yeah. watched the whole card. And the Undertaker had this gimmick where he was the American badass, and he's coming out in a motorcycle. And Greg goes, "Is this the one where he comes out with the Hell's Angels?" And then Greg goes, "Man, I remember when he did that. Just thinking to myself." That's highly questionable. <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever heard is like, that's highly questionable behavior to come out with the Hells Angels. Um, for some reason, WrestleMania 17 is full of Limp Biscuit. You can't yeah, turn man. a corner without yeah. Limp Biscuit. And Greg oh, yeah. grew up a huge hardcore punk guy, and I grew up a big metal and hardcore punk and punk guy. And he goes, I went to the bathroom before the main event, and there, uh, there was a montage. They start showing. A, uh, a package of a uh, uh, what you call it of Rock and Austin two Olympic biscuit song, yeah. and he goes, "You gotta hurry up and rewind this." I go, "No, I get it, dude. They they have beef. It's, I got it, dude." <laughs> and he goes, "No, we have to listen to Olympic yeah. biscuit." Yeah, uh, he goes, "You need to unlearn everything that you know about music." He goes, "Let's pretend everything you know about music didn't happen and just enjoy it." My yeah, way yeah. or the highway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. This is insane. Well, that was a huge, uh, you know, Rock and Stone Cold were that next, you know, generation yeah. after the 80s. Yeah. So that Attitude Era was very edgy, very different, more like real life mm -hmm. kind of characters yeah. and styles. And those guys, those two headlined three WrestleManias. Three. Yeah. Which is an incredible achievement just to be on the card for one. Just to say I performed on a WrestleMania is huge. But then to say... Oh, I, I headlined three of them with the same opponent. Yeah. Right. The big deal. Is I, a huge, yeah. huge deal. I remember seeing The Rock and I was like, This this dude's amazing. A yeah. I, I thought he was a great actor. Yeah. I was like, this dude's gonna make it in, in TV and film. I, I like before yeah. he started blowing up and doing his thing, I was like, Man, he could be a great actor. Well that's what people don't realize, right? Everyone bitches about the product now. And they yeah. have some good talent now, but everyone's like, Well needs they need to do more of this, they need to do less of this, they need more of this, less of this. It's become kind of a, it's always been a soap opera, 
But WWE in particular is a drama every week. Right. It's a comedy. They write jokes. They have comedy writers and that. Right. And it worked in the 90s. And one of the reasons it worked is because you had dudes like The Rock who has impeccable comedy timing. Right. Yes. Stone Cold Steve Austin, great timing. Mick yeah. Foley is a comedian. A lot of oh. these guys ended yeah. up being comedians yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and doing stuff. Yeah. And yeah. so it's very easy to be a comedy show every week when you have those guys. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things too to your point, like there is no off season, so it's fifty two weeks a year of live programming with on cable television. It's for I don't know how many <coughs> years running top rated cable show, um, and it's I mean it's amazing when you think about it from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you're coming up with new storylines, right? every week or you're furthering existing storylines yeah. and the great part about wrestlemania is that it was designed to be that culmination of a storyline or maybe something now starts so it was always um it was always designed in a very sophisticated kind of a way as opposed to like in the you know 50s and 60s people would watch it on tv and there was no real Build up. To, they, right. Everything was about the live event. Oh, come right. to the garden. Come yeah. to wherever. Whereas <coughs> now it's you know it's a it's a different thing. It's a okay. spectacle. Uh, yeah, okay. you you mentioned before that uh, people who are not properly trained, you know, it could you know derail. Do these people do they have them train in comedic timing in how to perform? Because if you're saying this is really a performance, mm -hmm. more like an actor or comedian than a wrestler. Are these people from a background of performing? Because it seems like they're com coming from a more physical, athletic background. It, it really is a combination of both. So it's the, the athletic strength and, and endurance and that, the athletic performance in the ring combined with the entertainment elements of the microphone skill, the speaking skills, the, right. the connecting with an audience, Facial expressions, timing, things like that. Are they taking classes? Those, those are things? those are more learned when you get there. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, most of the most of the talent that I've spoken with and that I've worked with over the years, um, a lot of them have either former professional or NCAA athletic background. Yeah. So, like yeah. we were talking about The Rock, he played <clears throat> Division One football at University of Miami. Was a backup nose guard. To Warren Sapp, yeah. my people. I mean, what y'all yeah. know about that? Yeah. The Sapp attack. Sapp. Yeah. So, um, you know, but but as far as like the timing and and the the performance right. part of it, that's something that they are working on constantly. It's always changing and evolving, and and there is now um, some things that I've been told conversationally where they're really getting more towards working with additional. Uh, coaching and and, and things mm -hmm. like that along those lines because um, you really have to. I right. mean, you're. I mean, if you watch their program on Monday nights or Friday nights, what was it twelve cameras going all over the right. place? Yeah. You have you have a packed <coughs> arena, and um, the demand is. I mean, some of the because we were talking, you were talking before. I mean, some there's a segment of the audience that's become, I think, a little spoiled. Yeah, they're what they and, call and they, marks. You know, you take it you take it for granted a little Busters. bit. So, you know, every week, every show may not be, you know, the greatest from when you remember. Yeah. But it's a storyline. Yeah. There's a there are cycles. Yeah. People yeah. come in, people come out. Yeah. You know, things like that. I got a question for you. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
to my knowledge, I don't know, I don't know if this is fully true or not. In the eighties and nineties, mm -hmm. there were a multitude of stars, of faces, yeah, of of the wrestling world. Now it seems like there's a narrow selection of faces. What 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 do you think attributes to that? Like there were being a, a multitude of stars to now a select few. Well, in the in the eighties, specifically mid eighties, that was really like a boom for mm -hmm. the wrestling business. Um, you had a lot of different territories around the country that. So the mm. WWE started out actually as a territory that ran from Washington, D.C. up to Maine and out to like Pittsburgh. Mm. That was their company. They had a company, which came WWE, but they had a physical geographic region. You had all these other regions around the country. Okay. So even in the 80s, that was still going on. It was starting to thin out a little bit, but you had the WWE and like Hulk Hogan and you had the NWA with Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. I grew up on the NWA. So NWA. I loved it. Dirty ass matches to end every every week. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> when I met you, I was hanging out here at the club. You were yeah. you were at the club. I was working that night and I got in a huge discussion with someone. NWA was so confusing. They wouldn't introduce the wrestlers back in the day. So if you're just turning on for the first time, they're like, they wouldn't even tell you who's wrestling. Guys just show up, and they're in the match. It was all what they call squash matches with jobbers, dudes who just journeymen who lose to really good wrestlers. Right. And then with three minutes left would be the real Dusty Rhodes and yeah. Nikita would go in some crazy double bull rope match with the sheep herders who end up becoming the bushwhackers. Before they were the bushwhackers, they were mean bastards. Before they were licking <laughs> right, their heads right. and eating fish and off little children's hands. The bushwhackers. Um, yeah, and... You'd be like, oh my God, this is the best match. And then they just stop the show. Yeah. Be like, oh, this is a great one, fans. Don't miss this. Well, I have to miss it because you're going off the air and now American right. Gladiators is coming on. <laughs> and then you watch next week, no mention of what happens in the match. No, Not no, at all. No acknowledgement They didn't give a whatsoever. shit about no. Why are you even show? Why are you cock-teasing me at 10 years old with the sheep herders yeah. and the superpowers? Well, they, they, they wanted that. to bring you to the arena. Then that, yeah, that's exactly. what the business was at wow. the time. I was in Las Vegas. How the fuck was I going to get to Greensboro, North Carolina right. to see... The stunning chief Wahoo McDaniels yeah. and right. Raging Bull Manny Fernandez yeah. match. You were a real fan. Yeah. yeah. You'd be there. Mama, can you please Mama. drive 3,000 yeah. miles <laughs> to the Carolinas? Well, my, my mom, because, you know, growing up on Long Island, we had cable television, I mean, very early compared to some of the other parts of the country. So, you know, my mom would be like, oh, what, you know, what do you want? for your birthday, what do you want for Christmas? You know, I'm like eight or nine years old, I'm telling my mom I, I want to go to the Spectrum in Philadelphia. My mom's looking at me like, what the hell what else? Why do you, do you want, want, why do you even want that? What are you talking about? Like, it was just, when you're into it like that as a kid, it's, you're so immersed in it that you just want to go to like every single show, anything you can. And I, I think just to, to get back to, to your question, yeah. as I, I think today, the um, it's different in that the the roster is so big, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, it's it's a huge. Like I think now the I don't know what the exact number is, but the number of talent contracted today under WWE and the performers that they have today, I mean, it's it's huge in size in comparison to you know what we saw like in the mid '80s and and into the '90s where. Um, you know, it's just there's there are more more people performing. And the other thing is, too, is that now, you know, you're seeing people perform every week in the you know, in the ring. So that changes 
I think the dynamic a little bit of the show. Whereas like back in the day, like mid to late eighties, you may see someone on TV every week or every other week. They may be in an interview. They may not always be, uh-huh. yeah. you know, in the ring itself. Yeah. So, okay. Go yeah. get, uh, what were you going to say? I had friends who, who, who were definitely into it. I never, as a kid or even now, like, what was your draw to it as a kid that you tell your mom that's what I want? And I and do love it because I know you're not a wrestling guy. That's why one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode to yeah. see and how you'd react. With and this. to add to back of that, who were your some of your favorite wrestlers with, right. that got you into it? Also, right. the um, what got me what got me hooked was the <clears throat> the athleticism of what I was seeing in the ring hearing the excitement of the crowd and i gotta tell you guys i loved the announcing mm. it was so, because it was so, like everything seemed so it was good important there were times oftentimes it was you know very melodramatic where it was like you know this attack was so if you know a guy gets jumped it's it's not oh he's been hit from behind it's oh my god this is a vicious <laughs> relentless onslaught especially Vince McMahon was announcing right 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 so <laughs> so, so that, over the top so that kind of stuff got me as a kid i mean i loved i loved movies music video games i sports i played sports so there was something about this and i knew see i thought that the animosity that was shown I thought that was real amongst the guys for right. some reason. But even as a kid, I mean, I, I had a feeling that it wasn't completely real as far as, like, a legitimate fight. Yeah. And, and for me, that was, I just, I liked those elements to it, mm-hmm. and I kept watching it. You know, but So it, you knew from the start there was an element of setup and performance... Uh, a little yeah i mean a little as a kid i mean it, i also i mean you know my mom also said you know you do that to anybody i'll kill you right you know you can't you know you can't because listen you know you're a kid Did you try that did you think you could go be a wrestler and oh wrestle? i'm well i mean you're a kid you see superfly snooker jump off a cage right you know you're looking for any any uh arm of the couch or dresser or anything you can fly off of which is a great idea and you guys you guys thought it was real or no not a start this is a performance i'm just gonna as a kid um i I don't think i was thinking was it real or not in the beginning at least i was just watching it was just to me it was like ah this is cool Mm -hmm. this is like these dudes is like doing crazy stuff that you want to do, and like you're out and on your bed with your brothers or your friends, and you're uh-huh. trying out these yeah, different yeah. moves. Yeah, so it's it was, fun. Yeah, it was fun. I remember my cousin Trisha coming over. Uh, we were having some family thing, and she came over on a Sunday. Goes, hurry up, turn on Channel 21. That was the UHF station, right? Okay. So they, that's who got all the syndicated wrestling. Mm-hmm. And she flipped on it was UWF, old UWF, Jim Ross and yeah. Michael Hayes calling yeah. it, and. My mind was blown. Like, brain was just jumping out of my ear. Like, yeah. it was a bar. They used to have barbed wire cages. Yeah. Barbed wire. Yeah. With pretty boys. These guys called the Fantastics pretty boys. These are boys that would go into a bar and vaginas would just drip. Let's be blunt about it. Pretty dudes that if you just saw hanging out, you'd be like, if your woman left you for one of them, you'd be like, oh, you like the, that pussy boy. And they were in every week. Barbed wire. Right. Barbed wire. So it's fake. Yeah. But you also, you can't really fake getting hit with barbed wire. You're I, going to bleed. And I just go, this yeah. is the greatest thing ever. I became yeah. an absolute junkie. Where's all think, I thought about. Yeah, like, like I think for me, it was really, it was just like those elements. And I, I just thought it was really cool. 
Like I didn't, and I was into the characters just like I was into Star Wars. Right. Or, or something like, so for me, it wasn't so much that someone needed to like sit me down and tell me, you know, have like the big talk with me or anything. It was just like, I ju I'm just really into it. I think what right. they're doing is, is exciting. Yeah, but it's not like these fans, when they get older, translate into UFC fans or MMA or even NFL fans. It doesn't really seem to be about the athletic, violent part. That's like the the way this and this performance is being channeled through. Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, I, I think there is there there's a little bit of crossover in terms of I think from the. 90s attitude era late 90s like stone cold rock that audience and ufc a little bit uh -huh. because ufc and i'm i'm i don't watch ufc but just like watch you know noticing like their shows and their marketing i mean they have a great product great edge to them um but it's different it's a sport it's 100 percent just sport so, right so so sometimes um Sometimes I kind of I I use the comparison of like I love baseball so the movie um, with Robert Redford the Natural where he's right. Roy Hobbs love mm -hmm. that movie love that story yeah. it's kind of like and it's a compliment to WWE for people to think <clears throat> oh they want oh who would win this superstar versus whomever because a lot of the superstars today have a have like a mixed martial arts background, background th right. that they incorporate into right. their in ring style they're just not you know, using the mac, you know, using the move right. fully. But I always look at it like, okay, take your favorite character from a baseball movie, and put them in a home run derby. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's you're not comparing like things to like things right. so much, but it's a compliment, I think, from a a storytelling and a character <laughs> standpoint that people even think of it in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, but, or even I forgot to there is wrestling as an actual sport oh also. absolutely right. and a lot of them and a lot of them actually um have that have that background either right. at the high school or college level and then um you have i mean the the exception the standout is is kurt angle who doesn't work with wwe anymore um but i mean he was an olympic gold medalist at the 96 oh, wow. summer games he's rumored to come back I'm hearing Ooh. the grumbling. You're yeah, yeah. First. I, don't, I, I don't. I we're don't, breaking yeah. news. Breaking news. <laughs> Not even a wrestling <laughs> yeah. show. We're breaking the news. But uh, but yeah. So uh, the some of them do have that um, that amateur. You know what they'll just call Rock in Lesnar. general. Yeah, amateur background as mm -hmm. well. Let's talk about this real quick. And we're gonna start wrapping up here in a second. But um, you know, you bring up mixed martial arts and yeah. that, like their, their backgrounds. This is something we noticed watching WrestleMania. And let me say this: I think I should watch. We should all lock ourselves in a room. Watch all 30 in a row. Just see what happens to our brains. Yes, Benji, you included. <laughs> We're watching WrestleMania 17, and they're getting ready to show Undertaker Triple H. And in the back, Undertaker is shadowboxing. And Greg's like, why is he shadowboxing? He's not going to do a single one of those things that he's doing right, <laughs> right. now. He's just, right. why are you getting ready for your wrestling match by throwing punches? Should you be shadow like arm grappling? But I guess that would look silly. But he shadow. He wants you to know that if he if he had to box this yeah, motherfucker, yeah. he could. He there's could gonna be some it. smoke in the city. Well, I think I think that's one of those things too. You talk about you know the Undertaker. He's six ten, three hundred pounds. So I think that's one of those things where he could do what he wants. You know, before the match, if he feels right. like doing a, a shadow box. You, you know, maybe him? maybe he's even listening to Liquid Swords. Any of you uh, 
Wu-Tang fans out there. But, um, but yeah, so uh, I didn't get to meet him. Um, and actually, for 30 years of WrestleMania, I interviewed over 75 people. Wow. So this was over a year and a half wow. of, of research, interview, putting the book together. Um, he's one that, unfortunately, I did not get to interview. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. He stays kayfabe. Yeah, um, he was on Jimmy Kimmel. He's done a couple of interviews over the years for like mainstream media. Mm-hmm. He's done some interviews on on a few WWE DVDs. WWE is a great home video line where yeah. a lot of them are like documentary style. They're really great documentary the stuff. Yeah. They're a blast. Wow. And uh, we tried, and and that's why like it's a little bit of a consolation prize because he doesn't usually do interviews. Um, we tried to make this happen. It just couldn't with the timing of the book coming out, uh, WrestleMania 30, and everything that he's doing when he trains in between WrestleManias. So I'm just kind of happy that it wasn't, no, I'm not doing that. And it was, you know, we're trying to make it happen, and it just didn't. Right. So he's the one um, uh, He's the, the one that I, I didn't get to speak to that I was really, really hoping. Um, yeah. Did you talk to Snooker? I did. I, I've worked with Jimmy for a long time on different things. I drank with yeah. him one night. It's an amazing uh, he's, name. He's, uh, I love he's that quite name. a character. And he talked in promo. Oh, really? Yes. Like, Even placing orders? Y- y- yes. It, it oh, was, I it, love that. It was like, uh, hey, Superfly, do you want another Budweiser? He's like, you know, brother, when you walk that, down that line, <laughs> you never know, daddy. It's like, you're talking in promo. Right. Yeah. We're so, not yes. selling out the Nassau Col- yeah. County Coliseum on Saturday. Jimmy, I, I just, just yeah, I just want you to I just need to know if you want it on tap or in a bottle. Yes. Are we doing <laughs> shooters on top of the right. superfly? Right. No, Daddy. Right. There's three choices to go. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I used to love it. I should just cut wrestling promos without being a wrestler. Yeah, Greg, we're watching WrestleMania 17, and Greg turns to me, my roommate, and goes, James, you missed your calling. You should have mm, been a wrestler. And I go, yeah. Well, here's reasons why I didn't miss any calling. A I'm missing three vertebrae in my neck. B through Z, I have no athletic ability. That kind of keeps you from being a pro wrestler when you're five foot nothing and you can't do shit. (laughs) When you play, I play football, as I mentioned before, and here's my problem. I am not athletic. I do all the intangibles. I can Mm. block. I can catch from two feet. Anything involving me getting open. You're a special keeping, teams guy. It's just, I'm 36 playing pickup football, and I'm a special teams guy. That's embarrassing. Yeah, I should have been the world champion. Fuck Harley Race. Well, not everyone's a world champion. <laughs> who, oh, bef- uh, before we go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, who, were your, uh, who, who were your favorite wrestlers when you came in, and who were oh, your favorite, right. uh, favorite I'm, I'm so wrestlers sorry. now? Um, okay, so when I was a kid, uh, huge Hulkamaniac sure. in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, in the 80s, love Doug, Junkyard Dog, Snooker, Roddy Piper, uh, Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage, the British Bulldogs. I was I a huge fan of the tag the teams. British Bulldogs, yeah. um, they were dirty, though. Yeah. And then kind of going through, like, the, you know, uh, Sean, you're talking about Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Undertaker, okay. Stone Cold. And now today... Um, there's so much great stuff going on today with with the talent at WWE. You know what? Um, I, li- I liked Goldberg when he came out. That dude was I wasn't cool. crazy about Goldberg. Yeah, man. yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I liked him. I was he on was, him for a little bit. He was he was probably the hottest thing going for like a two to three year period. Yeah. Period. He was because he didn't lose right for a while. No. Yes. He, yeah. I mean, he was yeah. on the cover of TV but Guide. Again, he was in something movies. like he didn't lose. That's decided in advance. Yes. Right. Yeah. But 
because of how over he's getting with the crowd. The, yeah. the crowd loves right. him. So it's they like then go, popularity. Keep him going. Right. Yeah. Keep him going, yeah. and it builds. Yeah. Because you are staging. And a how play. do they know who? The, how do they judge the fan? They like, just ha- they were they just, starting to go crazy for this guy. It was just yeah. like they brought out this big dude, and the yeah. crowd liked his big moves. Just, traps was like yes. Yeah. Oh just yeah. Had two well, two more heads on the side of his head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, and he's another one. He played for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But like, um, and and real quick, like the. Um, like now and over the last probably 15 years or so, you know, it's television ratings, you know, those quarter right. hours. Yeah. It's huge. It's merchandise. You can so, judge. So you can ju- and, and the crowd response also, you know, so you have all those things together and you can get a real idea of, okay, the crowd is into this person. Maybe they're mm-hmm. not so much into that person or whoever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so for today, I mean, you know, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins. Yeah, those guys are good. I mean... Randy Orton. Um, I'm a John Cena fan. I think John Cena is great. Um, I know a, you know some some members of the or, or he's and, corny. And, and, a lot, and a lot of people think he's corny. Some, some people feel that way. Um, but yeah, dude. I mean, there's there's a lot of great stuff going on with WWE today, and you'll see those stars in the book because it's the, it's all thirty WrestleManias, and um, they have a show called NXT. Yeah, that's good. Which it's is like a like territory the, the, the up and coming guys. So there's a lot of there's a lot of good. A lot of good stuff happening, for sure. Wow. Um, Benji, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to a live wrestling event. I will take I'm you. I'm in. I'm obviously You've in. You've never been there live, right? Well, here's a question to have, and it may be a little late to th- drop this, but the idea of like exposing people to violence and like mm. monetizing it, especially. Mm. Um, perhaps wrestling kind of outsmarted it in that people in the back of their heads know this. people don't get hurt from this, and they're... You know, when you watch, I, I can't watch the MMA stuff because right. I'm like, that's a guy getting his face beaten in. Right. I'm right, not right. comfortable yeah. seeing that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this really is just, you know, free song on the spot. Mm. Maybe what this wrestling did is like, it took the idea of violence that everyone wants to tap into, but they also know in their back of their head, like, everyone walks away okay and everyone's going to be back next week. And if they're not, it's not because they're killed or hurt or well, anything. Well, the, like the that. guys, the, the men and women get get injured because of the the physicality of what I'm they're sure, doing yeah. but but not like in UFC or mixed right. martial arts when someone gets hurt it's because right. you know or even NFL right. it's like knock the guy out or right. boxing yeah. it's like that I mean the mat like, like the mat hurts like when you fall on right. the mat like it, it hurts you you're going full speed oh yeah so um but yeah it's definitely a little a little different in that the the injuries are because of the performance and the physicality and the nature of what they're doing, not that right. that this is the idea like I'm I'm taking you out, yeah, kind yeah. of a kind of a thing, right? Yeah, and I think that perhaps the audience taps into that. Oh, this guy's not getting smashed over the yeah. back of his head with a chair. Well, that's reality. all gonna change. <laughs> gonna I'm getting that? these vertebrae pieced back together. You're I'm gonna get them in. fused. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna come into the league, baby. Yeah. They're gonna call me Stevie Special Teams. <laughs> and that's gonna be my gimmick, man. I'm gonna be a guy who's on special teams, and I got cut. Right. And I'm gonna revenge. You want revenge? For I, being I want cut. revenge, and I'm gonna go in there by cracking right. people's heads. Right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna cut interviews while I'm saying I'm actually doing violence. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be scripted. Everyone else is a bunch of pussies yeah, being I'm scripted. Swinging. I'm actually hitting people, and I'll just start smacking people over the head with stuff right yeah. there. It'll be Timmy special needs. Timmy, oh, <laughs> well, I think I've been that guy my whole life. Hey, uh, Brian, thank yeah. you so much for coming. Guys, plug this away. Is awesome. Plug the thank book. Really, plug, man. plug whatever. Say Working whatever you want. All right. Uh, Thirty years of WrestleMania in stores now, wherever books are sold. And uh, I don't like being followed, but I make exceptions for social media. Get at me on Twitter. 
uh, at it's Brian Shields, and I'm on Facebook as Brian Shields too. And uh, yeah, guys, and this re- is on Amazon. This is on everything online. They can order it Bar- wherever books are sold: Amazon, Barnes and Noble, BJ's, awesome. Walmart. Um, you had me at BJ's. Many, 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 many great pictures in this book. Yeah, yeah I'm just glancing over Many now. great this pictures. Is, but yeah. this was uh, this was real cool, guys. I can't thank you enough for having me on. Thanks, Thanks for coming. Bro. Thank this you, bud. Really, yeah, really thank great. you. Bench. The yeah! best of BS on Twitter. But of course, of course, check out all the Stand Up New York Labs podcasts. We got the promo code LUST. LUST. L-U-S-T, half off Stand Up New York tickets. Lust. For any of the shows, seven days a week, multiple shows every night, top-notch talent here in the city. Spread the word, spread the love. Listen, if you got a story, let us know. Please do. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Shawnee! Bam! That's your plug? It's just the word bam? Oh, plug. Oh, yes. <laughs> what are you plugging? Hey. I'm plugging the word bam. <laughs> Follow Sh- me at bam. Sean Dominic, stage name. Um, I'm on a TV show right now, according to him and her, on Centric TV. Uh, we just finished the second season last Friday. Third season, we're going to begin um, taping in October, and hopefully that'll be out soon. Follow me Follow me at Sean Dominic 55 Instagram. Uh, Sean Juan five five Twitter, and all that goody goody. A lot of goddamn numbers, buddy. Yeah, yes. calculator and follow you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow me at Sean uh, two Carry over the five two. Uh, percentage. <laughs> One uh, two three four five. James L Mattern on the Twitter. James L Mattern on the Facebook. You, you got could, rid of all Mad Dog, huh? Yeah, shit's gone, except for the artwork on this thing. We need to take a, we're going to take a picture and get new artwork. Let and occasionally they put the old theme music with Mad Dog Mattern. <sighs> what are you going to do? It's like that Ozzy Osbourne song, you know, Road to Nowhere. It's like th- these things will follow me forever, so what are you going to do? Just we live circle back with a song lyric quote. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, we're going to play. I ho- Andy, we're going to play that goddamn song. Um. This is the greatest show ever. I love this show. I love you all. Listen to all my podcasts. I got a, one about Guns N' Roses called Get in the Ring with my cousin Timmy Warner. I got uh, on this lovely network, Television the Podcast with Chris right. Laker. If you need me to explain what that's about, you've got problems. It's called Television the Podcast. Just figure it out. It's not about indie movies, okay? Um, please show love to this club. Show love to me. Um, mad love to the star. Andy is a star in the booth from... Yeah, that's right. My boys, the killers. I read some comments on SoundCloud. Someone's like, oh, you know, the killers. Is that supposed to make you cool? Nah, baby. The yes. fact that you're pissed off at me makes me cool. I'm hey, getting uh, in your head like a wrestling uh, heel. I'm healing this shit up. I'm Roddy Piper, WrestleMania 2, Nassau County Coliseum, boxing match. Yeah. You think I'm going to give up wrestling? Greatest promo ever. Um, Mad love to catch Tori. I Chris. Love, I love the comment like that. Like that, him commenting on you makes him cool. You just commented on my podcast yeah. on SoundCloud. Who are you? It's mm-hmm. my goddamn show, <laughs> and you're listening. And Chump, if you're listening, I'm developing something where I'm coming after you. Boom. Big shot. But big shot, didn't you? I don't even like Billy Joel. No offense. I know you're oh, Long I'm Island a Billy guy. Billy Joel fan. Oh, shit. Both of you guys out. Um, <laughs> Mad love to Chris. Catch the toy. Mad love to Super Tramp. Donnie. Gabe. Cousin Nick. Baby Nick. Uncle Billy. Keep Timothy Styles, Jimmy Snooker, Cousin John, um, Rick, the Animal Steel. I just made up a dude. I was just trying to make up. Mad love. Till next week, we're all worth a million in prizes. Sucker!
Deus. 